We're uh, in a preaching series together, uh, looking at the creed, which is some of the foundational beliefs uh, that we have as Christians together. And uh, every Sunday we've been reading the creed together. I, we're going to put this video up in a moment. I want to really encourage you to uh, join in, to read these words together, to declare these truths uh, together, to be re-encouraged by these foundational beliefs. And uh, we're going to do that just now, and then I'll introduce our speaker after this video. Let's watch the video. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, for all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son he is worshipped and glorified. He is spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Amen. Well, the only thing left for me to do uh, this morning is to introduce our speaker. He is a, a dear friend of ours and a, a father within the church. We're so blessed to have him. Uh, Wouter, over the last 10 weeks, has worked uh, solidly, well, before that as well, but definitely over the last 10 weeks, to uh, allow us as a church family to be able to connect like this. And uh, he's done such a wonderful job. I have the privilege of working closely with him and get to see firsthand how much effort and time he uh, puts into caring for us as a church family. And uh, his sermon that he's about to share with us now is no exception. He uh, genuinely cares about our spiritual growth as a church family. This isn't just a, a nice thing to say. He has uh, he's fought over these words to bring us something that we might uh, be able to uh, feast on together and to grow in our walk with Jesus. And so uh, we're so grateful for you, Wouter, and uh, we're looking forward to what you're going to bring. Uh, thanks so much for all that you do uh, and serving us as a church family. Let's welcome Wouter. Thank you so much, Sam, for your kind words. It's so good to be with you guys. And uh, wow, what an amazing time. I was so touched by worshipping together. I don't know about you, but the Holy Spirit definitely showed up in our living room. 
And uh, we felt very touched as we were singing these wonderful truths. Well, as Sam was saying, we're in the Creed. We've just been uh, reciting it together. And uh, it's been absolutely amazing in these times of uncertainty to continue to focus on that, what is true. There's so many things that we don't know. There's so many things that are untrue in this world. And yet these things are everlasting truths that we hold on to with all our lives, all of our hearts. And uh, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at Jesus' incarnation, Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection. And today we're going to be looking at Jesus' ascension. And uh, it says uh, in the Creed, it says, He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. Now, I wonder whether you could ever imagine what it would have been like for the disciples to have had Jesus with them when he rose from the dead. I mean, first they had gone through incredible disappointment and sadness when Jesus died on the cross and they thought it was all over. Then he rose from the dead and their greatest dreams came true. I mean, they, their, their, their hearts were about to explode. Their, their heads were about to pop. They couldn't understand how Jesus had risen from the dead again. And now Jesus was telling them that he was going to leave, that he was going to be moving on. We can read about that in the Gospels, that he's preparing them during the 40 days that he is with them, that he's going to be going again. And he says to them, it's better that I go than to stay with you because then I can send you the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know whether you have even thought about it, but to the early disciples, that must have sounded like absolute nonsense. What could on earth be better for Jesus to be going and return in its place. I mean, they've just saw Jesus die. He rose again. The best that ever could have happened has happened. And now he's saying, I'm going to be moving on. I'm going to go to heaven so I can send you the Holy Spirit. I mean, if I was the disciples, I would have been holding on to Jesus with both hands saying, Jesus, don't go, stay with us. What would be more exciting than Jesus wandering the earth for 2,000 years? And even now, uh, maybe saying, well, Jesus is on tour. He's going to come to Manchester. What, what would be better? than that? What would be better than us going to see him in real life, being able to touch him, hear his words? Well, Jesus says, it's better that I go so that I can send you the Holy Spirit. It's an absolutely strange phenomenon. You think, how could this be true? Well, next week, I'm going to leave a little bit of this hanging. We're going to be looking at the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I am encouraging you to open your heart to that already because it's going to be absolutely phenomenal. But today we're going to really look at the prelude. Jesus ascended to heaven. Why was it so essential that Jesus went to heaven? Why was it so important that he ascended to heaven? Well, if you think about the incarnation and the ascension, they're almost like two opposite uh, realities. Now, uh, you can liken it a little bit like this. I've drawn a little picture just to help you. Um, when Jesus came to earth, he came from heaven and he came to earth. When he came from heaven to earth, he was reigning in heaven, but he came to serve on earth. He was ruling in heaven, but he came in obscurity. He came uh, in full glory, but became a baby. And then we can see that he was the judge of heaven and earth, but that he really came to save. And we can see that the full kingdom of heaven, he came to plant in small seats. That was the incarnation. When Jesus ascended to heaven, the opposite happened. We can see that Jesus went from earth to heaven. And he went from being a servant to be fully glorified and ruling in heaven. He came from obscurity and he was seated in the heavenly realms in great glory. And he came to save and one day he will come back 
to judge. He is both the savior and the judge. And he planted the small seeds of the kingdom to grow into the full kingdom of heaven. The, the incarnation and the ascension really are mirrors and uh, they are wonderful truths. And the reality is that because of those truths, we can live in the same way that Jesus did. These things are now true because of Jesus' salvation. He is seated in heaven. He is ruling and reigning. He is crowned with glory. He is the judge of the living and the dead. And he is working on bringing the full kingdom onto this earth. But we still very much live in this reality. We still very much live like Jesus' incarnation. We are called to this earth. We are called to serve. We are called to live in obscurity and to reach out to save people and plant the kingdom so there's this dual thing going on but because jesus is in heaven and has won these realities for us we can live here on earth in the way that he did in the same way i hope that helps you a little bit uh, and i just want to read a few verses uh, for you from acts one so imagine jesus has risen from the dead he's been with the disciples for 40 days and then he's telling them in verse four do not leave jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised so that's acts one verse four which you have heard me speak about for john baptized with water but in a few days you will be baptized with the holy spirit and then they gathered around him and asked him lord are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of israel they're already looking at his rulership and his glory and reigning jesus says no not yet he says it's not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set me by his own authority but you will receive power when the holy spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in jerusalem and in all judea and samaria and to the ends of the earth and after he had said this he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight now they were looking up intently into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them men of galilee they said why do you stand here looking into the sky this same jesus who has been taken from from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven now this was the experience that the disciples had when jesus went to heaven they were looking up jesus is promising them that he will send them a helper i'll tell a little bit more about that in a minute but also next week and uh, they're looking up into the sky he's gone He's really gone. He told, he, 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 said, he said to them that he was going, but now he's really gone. What would happen next? I wonder how they felt like. They must have felt lost. What would they do next? Where would they go? They'd always followed Jesus everywhere they went. And yet now he was in heaven. They could not follow Jesus in heaven yet. And yet he had given them a command. So the angels appear and they remind them of Jesus' word. Make sure that you go to Jerusalem and that you wait for the Holy Spirit to come with power on you. So you will be my witnesses. Now, unless Jesus was going to heaven, he would not be able to be crowned with glory, receive the gift of the spirit from the father and be able to give it to his disciples. That's why he went. But also he had given them a task. He was preparing them for the kingdom to come. And this is a real baffling thought. Jesus had given the power and the task of growing the kingdom on the earth to his disciples. I mean, you think, what sort of game plan is this? But he had given this to the disciples. Now, if Jesus had hung around, nothing would have happened. All they would have done was hang around Jesus. It's a little bit like um, you would be playing in a, in, a, in, a, in a football team and you have Ronaldo in your team. No one would ever dare try and get up in the front 
to score a goal. All you'd be focused on is getting the ball to him. And Jesus is saying, well, no, I'm putting the ball in your court. I'm going to let you play. And this is the baffling work of Jesus. He wants to bring the kingdom in the earth, but he wants us to grow it. When he went to heaven, um, he, he gave his disciples the seeds of the kingdom. Now, you can see this. I showed this to you last week. These are little seeds. Uh, and when Jesus said, oh, I'm going to give you the kingdom, I want you to grow the kingdom, what he did was he gave them seeds. He didn't give them everything they needed just yet. But he said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to work in power and you're going to be growing the seeds. And what he wanted them to do was not look at the, the little seeds and be amazed about what they had, but they wanted to uh, he wanted them to look forward to what he was going to do through them. And this is the amazing reality of the kingdom. Jesus has already won. He has brought victory. He is reigning in heaven. He one day will come. But he is giving the task of building the kingdom to us in the meantime. He wants to partner with us. He wants to uh, for us to grow with him. And he wants us to rule with him and build the kingdom with him. And this is absolutely phenomenal. Well, I love the picture uh, where the disciples are looking up into heaven and they just can't believe that Jesus had gone and they just continue to look at heaven. He said, well, he was going to come back soon. Maybe it's now. No, not yet. Maybe it's now. No, not yet. And they, they, they don't know what to do. And the angels appear and they say, go, go and do the things that Jesus had told you to do. Don't just stand here around. He's given you a task. Wait for the spirit to come and he's going to do great things for you. Grow the spirit. But I love the picture where the, Jesus, the, the disciples were so expectant that they were looking up in the sky, waiting for Jesus to return. I wonder in the days after he had gone, they, every morning they would wake up and they would look up and thinking, would he be coming now? No, not yet. Maybe at lunchtime. Would he be coming now? No, not yet. And another day would have passed. And uh, we can read in church history that many of the disciples that came to faith um, during Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, 3,000 came to faith, were visitors to Jerusalem. And many of those visitors stayed in Jerusalem because they thought that Jesus would be coming any day. They would be gathering together. They'll be worshiping and they'll be looking up. Is he coming? Not yet. Is he coming next week? Not yet. And they were living with such excitement and such anticipation that it really shaped their community. They lived in a way that they were expecting the kingdom like you and I have never tasted. The way that they dealt with their possessions was totally different. The way that they handled community and priorities and worship was totally different because they were expecting for Jesus to come and bring his kingdom. The way that they lived was totally transformed and changed. Now, I wonder for you and I, do we still live in that same anticipation? Wouldn't it be easy to say, well, he's not come for 2000 years. Surely he's not coming tomorrow. What point is it? And he surely won't be coming next week. And he surely won't be coming next month. And he surely won't be coming next year. Do you know, I might as well make something of this life. I might as well buy a house. I might as well go for a career. I might as well make a few friends. I might as well try and make the best of the things here on earth because it might be a long time. My friends, that would be totally opposite of the reality with Jesus wants us to live. He wants us to live with the reality of him returning soon. Why did he not say, well, I'm going to be coming back in 2035 um, uh, uh, after Christ and uh, I'm going to be coming at 1040 uh, at um, uh, the Mount Everest? Why did he not say that? Well, first of all, he didn't know. 
because only the father knows the time of his arrival. But secondly, he wants us to live in the reality of the kingdom now. He wants us to live with that full expectation that he will be returning. There's a real sense of urgency that he wants us to live with. And if he would have set a date, and if he would have set a time and a place, then we would have all just fallen asleep in the meantime until he came. Now, there's a story in the New Testament that talks about um, bridesmaids getting ready for the wedding of the groom. And uh, they've got their little lights. And uh, uh, whilst waiting for the bridegroom, it's taking a long time, uh, nodding off. They just fallen asleep. And all of a sudden, they hear great noise. And here the bridegroom comes. But half of them were not prepared. They had not brought extra oil. They, they, they weren't ready. And their flame had gone out. Their flame had gone out. And the other half were ready. They were expectant. They had stocked up and they were ready. And then the bridegroom came. Now, isn't that like you and me so many times? I wonder, is your light still burning? Is your flame still on? Are you still desiring for Jesus to come? Do you wake up in the morning and look at the sky and go, will he come today? Will he come tomorrow? I'm expectant. Now, Jesus wants us to live like that. He wants our hearts burning, full of fire and excitement for his kingdom to come. He has given us the, the little seeds of the kingdom that he has given us. And he wants us to plant those and be expectant that he will bear fruit. And he also wants us to look onto heaven to him and say, Jesus, we want you. We long for the day for you to come back. But we want your kingdom to come now. And he says, whilst you are waiting for the kingdom to come, I have given you the seeds. I want you to be busy at work, full of the Holy Spirit. Wait on the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then put the kingdom to work. Put it into action so it may grow here on the earth now already. I mean, you don't know how long you have, my friends. You don't know whether tomorrow will be the day that you might be going and see your Savior. Uh, we don't know whether Jesus will come in person tomorrow but he wants us to live with the mission and the urgency that he has given us because he wants us to live like that. Why? Because that is what keeps our hearts healthy and safe. As soon as we start to settle for the things of earth, as soon as we start to get distracted, our flame will be going out. Now, my friends, let me ask you, are you burning with that desire for Jesus to come? Are you burning with the urgency of the kingdom? Is the way that you handle your, your house, your finances, your friends, your possessions, uh, the community of the church shaped by a real desire? Is it your top priority or have you just might as well settle for a career and let it take over? Might as well settle for a house and let it take all your attention. May as well settle for a few other things. My friends, don't settle. Look to heaven, be expectant, wait for the kingdom to come. Are you crying out for Jesus to come? When was the last time that you have been petitioning Jesus? Come, we want you to come in glory and in power here in my neighborhood, in my city, in real life, as well as in the kingdom that is now already building. Are you living with that desire, with that passion? Let me encourage you, my friends, do not settle. Keep your eyes on heaven and keep your heart open towards earth and expect Jesus to come and do great things. Next week, we're going to look at much more than that. Um, there is no time to fully dive into all of that. But I want to really encourage you, my friends, let your hearts be awoken and stirred by the passion of Jesus' return, his ascension. Be remembered of his amazing rulership now. And next week, we'll be looking at the amazing work of the Spirit that will make that 
truth in heaven, our reality here on earth now. Well, we're going to pray before we're going to finish together, friends. And uh, I really want to encourage you to uh, lift your eyes to heaven. Uh, if you start to drop your head down here below and you start to get worried about the things, then I want you to encourage you to lift your eyes to heaven. I just uh, was given this drawing by Aline, uh, who's been uh, doing this at home uh, for us. And uh, it shows you a picture of God and uh, Alina here and uh, welcome to heaven. This is Jesus returning. And uh, I, I want you just to, for the next moment, as we're going to be spending some time to pray, uh, why don't you actually lift your eyes to heaven as we pray to help you and remind you to not keep looking down at the things below. If you've been coming distracted with earthly worries, other things, then I want to encourage you, just open your hands, lift your head. And as we pray, just lift your eyes to heaven and be expectant that heaven will come and meet you. Jesus, I want to pray that you will come and meet us here today. We pray, Lord, for the things that so easily start to uh, compete for our attentions and where we just settle for the things here below. Lord, help us not to live like that. Lord, we want to be looking at you in glory. Thank you that you are reigning on the earth, that nothing's out of your control. Thank you that you are sitting on the throne in heaven. Thank you that you are representing us to the Father. Thank you that you hear our prayers. Our feeble prayers are represented by you to the Father. Lord, what an amazing privilege, Lord. And you've been sending all the help that we need to us, Lord. And we want to be looking to you. Say, Lord, forgive us when we've settled for the things below. Forgive us when we've got distracted, when we got worried. Lord, help us to live with our eyes uh, on heaven, just like the early disciples did. Lord, we are eager for your return. We pray that you will come quickly. And we pray that in the meantime, your kingdom will come quickly here on the earth and everything that is being built uh, through us, the church, Lord, and our many friends who are gathering at this very moment around different churches all around the world. Lord, we pray for your kingdom to come in Jesus' name. Amen.